All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sam.gov Bids Live, episode number 35, where we walk through small business solicitations together on Sam.gov and answer your questions along the way so that you too can start bidding and winning contracts on Sam for your small business. Today, we will be getting started by reviewing six small business solicitations that I've pulled up on Sam, and we will be getting into that in just a second. But if you are new here, and you don't want to miss future Sam.gov bids live episodes, make sure you subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell so that you can ask your questions live on future streams. And if you do happen to be someone who has recently registered your business on Sam.gov and you're looking to get started bidding, check out my website, govkidmethod.com, to enroll in the free 2023 Federal Contracts Masterclass, which was designed to support new government contractors in the space just like you. All right, so let's go ahead and give you guys a sneak peek of the solicitations we're going to be looking at today. And for those of you who are jumping in, joining, good morning, good afternoon for some, why don't you let me know um, what state are you from? Where are you representing today if you are tuning in live? And if today is your first session, congratulations, you made it. Let me know that this is your first live as well. So the first solicitation we'll be looking at today is behavioral health specialist. This is going to be for the Army. Number two, we're going to be looking at some, uh, looks like IT equipment for the Navy. So we're getting more into that. Number three, we have Fort Riley court reporter. I touched on court reporters recently stating that uh, I think this is actually a pretty good uh, niche in the space, a good pillar for your umbrella, if you will, because we do see a lot of these types of uh, services all over the country. Um, number four, we have the Texas Army National Guard. Uh, this is going to be lodging services for Fort Worth, Texas. Okay, so another lodging bid. We also have warehouse support services is going to be for the FAA. So we're not sure exactly what warehouse support looks like. We will be diving into that. And then if we have time, we have kitchen hood ventilation system cleaning services for the army. And I pulled this one as well for a similar reason. We are seeing a lot, and I've seen for many years, a lot of this specific type, even alarm monitoring, uh, you know, kitchen cleaning, ventilation cleaning, great uh, potential middleman opportunities for you guys, especially for you guys getting uh, started out offering services. So if we have time, we'll be getting to that one as well. So now if you guys don't know the way that this works or if this is your first live that you're catching, um, I don't look at any of these solicitations ahead of time. This way we can go through them for the first time together, very raw, very real with the goal being for things to not go so perfectly, right? Because that's what's gonna happen for you when you go out into Sam.gov. It's not gonna just be perfect when you're going through solicitations and maybe you've already discovered that. So this way, the purpose for the show can be to go through those solicitations live raw and together so i can kind of like give you the real the real deal on what these look like to hopefully enhance your skills and your expectations of going out and doing this on your own um so practicing you know some of this this training so let's see what's going on with the chat today we've got uh, aisha payton with us from kansas welcome jackson birch out of new york welcome jared reed out of utah dr leticia one of our bid team members good to see you as always Innovative Nation Solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Copeland Solutions, uh, hanging out with us uh, out of Georgia. We got KC Money out of El Elgin, uh, Illinois. And I lived uh, down in Downers Grove for a little while. I don't think that's too far from Elgin, if I'm not 
mistaking that. Uh, Miss D, good to catch you on live again. Absolutely. Out of Huntsville, Alabama, just north of me. CZ Trucking. Hello, hello. Uh, Gil Perez out of Texas. We've got 03 Shawnee from New Jersey as well. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Good afternoon for some. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're going to go ahead and dive into our first bid. Um, any any newbies? I didn't see anybody new here yet. So if this is your first session, let me know that in the chat as well. Let's go ahead and dive into our first solicitation, which is number one, behavioral health specialist, again, for the Army USPFO. So we're looking at National Guard. This bid is due May 2nd. Today's the 11th, so just under a month. This is a total small business set aside, which is what I try to do for all the solicitations we go through together. This does have the 621330 NAICS code, and this would be a, a medical-related uh, NAICS code, Offices of Mental Health Practitioners. The work is actually going to be performed, meaning, again, this behavioral health specialist is going to be out of Concord, New Hampshire. So it kind of helps us to picture on the map a little bit what's going on to start piecing this puzzle together. So they are telling us that the New Hampshire Army National Guard has a requirement for the behavioral health professional services. We, we're thinking people, potentially staffing. We don't know how many yet. Um, just provide manpower to support the uh, New Hampshire Army National Guard. And, and that's the office of the state surgeon. Okay, it works very, very closely uh, within USPFO. The period of performance is going to be kicking off one June. Okay, so a couple months before this, before this would actually start. And then there's two option periods, so a base plus two to run through that same period uh, through the end of May 2025. Okay. We are getting a sneak peek at those pricing cleans, which is going to really, you know, just help pieces together that much faster. There's calling it one one job. So we're not seeing hours, we're seeing one job. And that job is going to be again reflective of that first base year period. And then the same with option years one and two. So one job is going to mean like one number to do it all for that period. Now, really what the biggest question mark that should come into mind is like, well, how much will this person be working during this period? And that's what we're going to hope to kind of find out as we go through this. So they're pretty much pointing us to our documents for the rest of it. We do have what appears to be a statement of work as well as some provisions and clauses. We don't see any official like SF-1449 solicitation, but we'll just kind of see what this all looks like when we open it up. So this does look like a true PWS, 21 pages. Yeah, I'm not seeing any like solicitation jargon. So we will have to be somewhat careful about going through this because we don't have really much to work with. And again, the same in the work, the PWS is going to give you more of those specifics of, again, as you can see here, uh, qualifications, the nitty gritty details of the job itself. It's going to be, what are they looking for in this person or person's behavioral health field to provide to support the New Hampshire Army National Guard? And this is the information, for example, if you were doing recruiting, since this is likely, you know, very likely like a staffing uh, solicitation, this is the information, a lot of it, that you would be able to share with 
you know, candidates, when you're getting them on the phone, when you're screening, you're wanting to make sure the information that is being uh, spelled out here for the job and the requirements for the person are a match for those candidates that you are screening for. But in terms of actual proposal evaluation, we did not see any of that in this document because this is just the statement of work. We do have provisions and clauses as our only other document. So we are crossing our fingers, hoping that there is more than that in here. We're going straight into reps and certs. We do see the base instruction to offers, but we're going to need to see more than that. We do see evaluation. So this will be potentially this chunk right here. Let me, apologies, let me, it's probably way better. Zoom in for you. Um, this evaluation will very likely be all telling for us because maybe all that we have to go off of. But I'll just continue doing a quick scroll, going through our reps and certs now. See if there's anything else that's going to be more helpful to us. And it appears not, so I'm going to go back to control finding instructions. Little uh, cheat code for you guys as well. Um, use control find as much as you can. As you learn the government verbiage, it makes navigating these documents so much faster. I'm looking for something other than the stuff that's copied and pasted out of the FAR. And I don't think we have anything. And indeed we don't. So we will be 100% reliant on the evaluation to be telling us the, hopefully the bid strategy as well as what they need from us in our proposal response. So let's just go ahead and read this. The government will award a contract resulting from the solicitation to the responsible offer whose offers conforming to the solicitation will be most advantageous to the government price and other factors considered very likely sounding like best value rather than lowest price based off of that one sentence. The following factors shall be used to evaluate um, technical past performance and price, as we always say, and those are the three that they've listed as well. They do uh, cite technical and past performance when combined are less important than price. So that's also very interesting. So it is a bit counterintuitive to this sentence that we read up here being most advantageous. They're saying even when combined, so bear with me here, even when combined, when the technical and the past performance that are being evaluated are both those evaluations are combined. The price evaluation is going to be more important. They're saying these two combined are less than price. So if you're trying to win a, write a winning bid, a competitive bid, that's going to take you to the top, top two, top three of bidders on this, you are going to have to be very price competitive. When they're saying it is ultimately what's most advantageous to the government in this case, they are saying that it will give the government a bit of wiggle room, meaning that they don't have to go with the lowest price. But if there is somebody that's coming in with the best bang for the buck, that is the lowest price and say it's like the best resume, for example, they are going to go with that. So it's just, it's giving themselves a bit of wiggle room on this. There we go. Okay. So now what else do they have for us here? They are saying evaluations of options will not obligate the government. Of course, guys, if you don't know, the government does not have to execute on those option years. In this case, it's a base, a base plus two. So those two are not guaranteed. You want to make sure you're doing a good job on your first year. That's all that they're telling us. This is really, really 
let me rephrase that. This is somewhat lacking because we don't have pricing clins even in the document here. I apologize for the fast scrolling, but there's no, no pricing clins in either of these. We do have what was essentially pasted in the listing description on sam.gov. So coming back to, if you remember what I said, that one question was the big question mark, what is it? How much is this person working? How many hours? And we can't even say person because we don't know if it's person or persons yet. We don't know if it's more than one. We could do a finer tooth comb through the PWS but I'm going to tell you right off the bat, that's probably not going to tell you how many, you know, FTEs or anything like that, but we would want to do that, that double check. So we have some questions. We're looking at the solicitation with a big question, wondering how many and for how much we would need that to be able to price that out. Now, for probably the last thing I'll say on this for the, for the sake of being focused. They've asked for they've asked for price technical past performance, but then like that's all that they've said. So for those of you who are learning how to do proposals, you're maybe trying to follow a certain system or approach. Every bid is different. You have to be flexible. So it's good to have some resources in your tool belt. Pretty much essential to have some to, to go off of so that you're not reinventing and recreating the wheel with every every bid. But even with that being said, if they ask for price, technical, past performance, and they're not giving any format, they're not giving you any further description of like, well, what do they want in the technical? Um, how many past performances do they want to see? What's considered to be recent and relevant for past performance? Some of these questions that we could ask that often they would give us the answers to, they have not given us any of those answers. They've given us less than a half a page of really helpful information, but we're still lacking. So what you could do in this situation is one, you could submit RFIs. So you could craft short, succinct questions gauged to get answers from contracting about, you know, what do you want to see, you know, reflected in a technical, or you could ask them leading questions like, do you want to see resumes? If so, do you want to see those reflected in the technical? So you could ask leading questions. Um, you could ask, is there a number of minimum, is there a minimum number of past performance required or will, will one satisfy that? So you could ask leading questions like that um, because otherwise you're kind of shooting in the dark. So that's option number one. And then option number two, based on how much information you get from contracting, what you can do is, is if you're still wanting to go after this, you lead with a conservative approach. So typically for past performance, they will very often ask for contracts to be, you know, no longer than say like three to five years. So three to five years for recency, don't lead with anything longer than that. And relevancy, try and keep it related to medical, try and keep it, you know, related to, to staffing as much as you can for past performance. Um, providing like a good or a product is not going to be relevant past performance on this. So I wouldn't even, even put that. Uh, so that's like past performance for technical, probably going to need resumes. You know, we don't know for sure. So based on what we get from number one, based on what we get from those answers to those RFIs to contracting, we can lead with a resume. We, we kind of feel like we would need to. 
So we could assume that we're putting resume in technical, but other than that, uh, we can't really make too many other assumptions about technical unless contracting expands more because kind of the base minimum for something like this is a price resume and past past performance. Like that's kind of like the base. And that's the conservative approach that I'm explaining. And you're using this when contracting is doing this to you. They're giving you nothing to go off of. They're not teeing up any outline for you. They're not even giving you pricing cleanse. Um, well, to be fair, they did give us pricing cleanse in the Samdeck of listing description. They're still lacking, but they are technically cleanse. So we would just reflect these. We would build a table in Microsoft Word and we would price each of these out. Make sure you're doing somewhat of a price escalation. All three of these years should not be identical pricing because of inflation and because of raises and uh, changes in payroll expenses, et cetera, et cetera. You want to make sure that you account for that when you submit your bid because you're not going to be going back after year one saying, hey, I need to increase my prices. They're going to say, well, too bad, you know, unless you're going to submit something like a request for equitable adjustment saying, hey, there's been real changes to the contract that we need to be, you know, reimbursed for that was not in the original scope. So we spent quite a bit of time on this one. Um, wanted to kind of wring it out as much as possible. I think we've wrung it out as much as we could. Um, I like it. I have a question or two. I certainly don't think it's bad at all for any of those who are new in the space. What's going on in the chat, guys? We got Grace Johnson from Florida. CZ Trucking says I'm new. Welcome, welcome. Carlos out of uh, Los Angeles, Troy out of Texas. Nice. We've got Ayush uh, Kashik out of uh, India. Welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us as well, guys. As you have questions, feel free to post those um, down in the chat. I'm going to keep the train rolling here and moving on to our next bid. So our next bid is for IT equipment. It's going to be for the Navy. And guys, if you haven't, let me know what state you're representing um, in the chat as well. And if this is your first live session, that's super exciting. And then if you've had any recent like wins, things you want to celebrate, all that good stuff, post that in the chat. We check that in between bids, okay? So definitely don't be shy about that sort of stuff. We want to celebrate you as much as we can. This is set aside for small business. And then they have the uh, other computer-related services, 541519. So you'll see like three or four of these uh, very similar NAICS codes as they relate to IT if you're in that IT space. So this is in support uh, of the CNFJ out of uh, Yokosuka, Japan. And again, this is equipment. They're looking on name brand Cisco. So let's see, we have a solicitation doc. And then it says brand name redacted. So that'll be interesting to see what they're redacting. In this case, we do have a formal solicitation. We do have a SF1449 form. They are really making this unmistakable. Brand name to OEM, Cisco set aside for authorized Cisco small business. So for this, you have to be, and I used to be one, um, a Cisco authorized reseller. So you would already have to go through that reseller program, get registered, and then Cisco would give you pricing on this, and then you would give the pricing to the government. That is a system that's already in place. Um, and those of you who are in the space probably already know that. And then at this point, it's just a matter of, you know, probably going to be, it's going to be like drop shipping, obviously, because it'll come from Cisco all the way over to Japan. So it's possible that this is going to be price only. So I am going to pick up the speed. 
Um, they're going to give us mod uh, model, make, and quantities here. So clin one, two, three, four, five, six. So it doesn't look like a, a huge procurement, probably within five figures at least based on these quantities. I don't think it would necessarily be into six figures, but you know, what do I know? We're looking at switches. We're looking at power supplies, transceivers. So, you know what I'm saying? doesn't look too crazy. They are looking for April 28th delivery date. That's likely going to be pushed back because this hasn't even been solicited and awarded yet. So don't freak out too much if you see delivery dates that are really close to like what the proposal due date is again, which is what on this, the 17th. So yeah, it's, it's just very unlikely that within a week of this being awarded that it's going to be delivered. Um, maybe you can get close. Maybe Cisco can do it really quickly, but I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Um, if it's within a week or two of that, you just want to communicate all that with contracting though. That's, that's the law. That's the rule communicate everything with with contracting you might be surprised at how flexible they they are willing to be or they can be at certain times not always but again just always communicate especially with things like delivering of equipment okay so yeah we're really all we're looking at is price only for this we did have that redacted document so we'll look at that really quickly <clears throat> so It says two catalysts, modular switches, routers with their respective associated peripherals at a cost of 63 grand. These switches and routers provide network support. So I'm not sure exactly what they're telling us here. They're saying these switches and routers are the only switches that are compatible. So they're kind of like justifying why it needs to be name brand. It says Worldwide Technology Inc. WG has the sole DOD global enterprise modernization software and support agreement. Going with a different vendor would only result. It actually sounds like they're going sole source on this. There should have been a bit more telling about that, but it sounds like they are going to that company. And this is a sole source. Yeah, processing of the sole source. Yeah. So that's what the redactment is. They decided that they're just going to give this to a company. So you actually can't even bid on this. Bidding on this would be a waste of time. They're saying that this company already has an existing uh, contract in place with these systems, with the software, and with this equipment. And going with anybody else would be a risk of sorts. And it's just not going to make sense. So they're doing a sole source justification there. So you really got to see what a sole source looks like. Sometimes they're easy to spot. Other times they are not as easy. But you're always, anytime you see like S-O-L-E, <laughs> even just the word soul, um, your, your flag needs to go off. And if you see soul source, you really need to switch into hyperspeed to see, okay, am I even wasting my time looking at this? This is not mean, hey, this is a soul source opportunity. So respond to this and we might soul source it to you. That's what some people um, seem to think. No, like those opportunities you won't even see. Like it, it'll be posted maybe after the fact when awards posted or isn't posted at all for true soul sources. If you're seeing a sole source terminology written into a solicitation, it's their J and A. It's their justification and approval. It's them redacting it in this case, or it's some other special uh, circumstance that they're basically doing their paper trail for, dotting their I's, crossing their T's as they need to do as part of the procurement process. Okay, so that's what we got to see.
CZ Trucking, I'm trying to get financing from my credit union. I have been looking at contracts on Unison Marketplace and I'm out of Florida. That's awesome. If you're looking on Unison, Unison is primarily parts and pieces. They're not huge on services. So if parts and pieces is what you want to ultimately be doing, then that makes a lot of sense. If you're wanting to do services, I would encourage you to spend more time on SAM. Um, some people find the hard way. The pricing on Unison is really a race to the bottom. They go, I put in all this work in and I responded to well, 50 bids or 100 bids and I didn't win anything. Okay, well, maybe then you'll be ready you know, for SAM.gov. And I'm saying that, I'm saying that uh, in theory, and I'm saying that to kind of everybody on a bit of a soapbox. That's typically the feedback, unless again, you're into parts and pieces and you want to live there, that makes a lot of sense. But I like to draw that very clear line in the sand. If that's ultimately not where you want to be, um, it's not that great of a past performance builder if you're wanting to go after services because it's not going to be relevant. Okay. Like providing equipment, drop shipping, uh, you know, providing a four wheeler or something like that is not going to help you in past performance going after services. So it's really just a matter of getting really clear on what your strategy is, what your, what your short term, long term goals are for your government contracting business and seeing if Unison fits into that or not. And if it doesn't, it's better to realize that as soon as possible. And if it is, then honestly, just like triple down on Unison if that's ultimately like what you're wanting to do. I know there wasn't any questions or advice asked for, but that's kind of what, what it is. <laughs> Grace Johnson, I follow you on YouTube, first live, awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us, Grace, good to see you. Um, let's see. So LinkedIn user says agree sole source, um, not a brand name, but sole source. It's saying Cisco, they want Cisco, but then they want Cisco from a certain company. So it's kind of like they're they're doing, they're asking for both, it sounds like. Um, they were very clear about Cisco. Um, so our next solicitation we have is Fort Riley Court Reporter out of the Army. This is going to be out of MIC, Mission Installation Contracting Command. So this is due, okay, updated offers due April 28th. Okay, so bit of time, small business set aside. And they actually have, if you don't know, they have a specific court reporting NICS code, 561492, that gets used all the time for this specific service. And this is gonna be out of Fort Riley, Kansas, of course. So uh, Mick, Fort Riley, Kansas, intends to award a minimum of two BPAs, blanket, uh, blanket purchase agreements, for court reporter services. And again, uh, what is a BPA? Is it a contract? Yes, it is. Uh, is there gonna be money? Um, not in the sense of other contracts that we look at. BPA is a vehicle, whereas future task orders or future opportunities will come off of that vehicle. So the BPA becomes a, a bit of a, a additional vetting process. And sometimes it's multiple award, other times it's single award, um, but they're saying two BPAs. So that makes it a bit more interesting. They're saying the BPA is their simplified method for filing anticipated repetitive needs for supplies and services. Yes. So when they have this again and again and again, they don't have to keep going through the, the lengthy and expensive procurement process, i.e. SAM. Instead, once you're on the BPA, they can just come to you direct again and again. Or if it's, you know, multiple ward, uh, wardies, they can come to them again and again. And they'll literally email you the task orders for you to respond to individually. And you all will just kind of like fight it out. Or if you're the only one on it, then it'll be a bit more of perhaps a, a negotiation between you and the government. So in terms of attachments, we have a solicitation doc. We have some answers to questions. Wage determination, price break sheet, that'll be super important. We have court reporter 
format. So that's going to be more like specifics to the job, more of like a PWS type thing. Deliverable schedule, um, more performance stuff. And that's about it. So we'll quickly go through some of those. We'll get started with the solicitation doc though. This is 17 pages, so not too bad. We're immediately hit with a pricing table. Looks like a base plus, yeah, base plus four. And they're, they're repeating this table. It says hourly price. Let me zoom in a bit more. There we go. Much better. It's going to kick off in May. So just in a few weeks here. So base plus four. They are repeating this table and I'm not exactly sure. The difference is price and number of pages. Let's see. Okay, so number of pages is going to be the output or the throughput. It's going to be the result of the court reporter. The government has not filled in the number of pages, but they're asking you for number of pages and the price for those number of pages. So this is a bit more of an industry-specific thing. I couldn't weigh too much into this. I don't particularly know that much about uh, the cost per pages of court reporting but that would be reflected here. And that is the reason why they have these different tables. And then you're also seeing price per hour. Having pricing in these two different dimensions is apparently going to um, give some insight to contracting and allow contracting to help um, you know, find the best bidder for this. And I think it's also gonna like let them know, do you know what you're talking about? And I think that's a big piece of it as well. And again, you're using these as general metrics because this is a BPA, okay? So these will be units of measure that are used going forward on the future real live task orders that you will then bid on and hopefully win. They are telling you, like they often do, minimum calls. So they're not going to exceed, like per call, it's not going to exceed $4,000. And the annual limit's not going to exceed 13. So for one, it's not going to exceed 4,000. And for a whole year, it's not going to exceed 13,000. But that's for an individual call. There can be multiple calls throughout a year. And a call is what you think it is. Hey, we need court reporting services, right? So they're saying the government will award a contract. Lowest price technically acceptable. So LPTA will be winning this. So that does not mean they look at the price first. You have to be technically acceptable first and then those who check the box then their price will be evaluated and then those who make that shortlist whoever is the lowest that's how the winning bidder will be chosen that's how lpta lowest price works again basis for award lpta they're saying price and then technical so how are they gonna this is this is really important you know how do we found uh, found to be technically acceptable. The term technical as used here and refers to the non-price factors. The purpose of technical is to assess whether the offer proposal will satisfy the minimum requirements. Okay, that's not telling us too much. Proposal meets the requirements. Proposal does not meet the requirements. Again, so we'll keep an eye out for like what is the proposal requirement? Because again, they're still not telling us here. They're just telling us how it will be evaluated. Either you meet it or you don't. Pass, fail, as I like to say. So we are hit with some of our clauses. And so we're looking for any other breakdown of what technically acceptable could mean. 
but I fear that we're not going to see it. I fear that it's not here. And it indeed is not in this particular document. Um, there's two different sets of questions. That could be why. So we will just quickly take a glance. So what a uh, type of assignments are needed? Are these hearings? Are these meetings? Um, will we accept remote or in person? Oh, that's, that's actually the answer. Um, <laughs> let me see. Anything about the proposal? Not in that one. Let's go back. What about questions number two? These actually look like the same questions, but I'm not sure. Yep, these are all like, these are the same questions. So it's kind of like a repeat. It looks like it's a reformatting on the contracting side, to be honest. So not terribly helpful. We do have a wage termination. Let's see what this price breakdown sheet looks like. Maybe that will help us a little bit. Notes to bid, submit with quote. So, okay, we know that this is going to be somewhat helpful and they're asking for this breakdown. This is going to be breakdown for technical witness. We've looked at this on prior uh, episodes, prior solicitations that are specific to court reporting. This is specific court reporting pricing breakdown. Okay, so this is going to help you back into your price. So you would definitely want to attach that and fill that out. Um, aside from that, we've got some deliverables. It is looking very much like this is price only though. Again, they're not giving us anything else to go off of. I'm just back to the solicitation doc here. Again, they're just they're hitting uh, LPTA. They're talking about price and technical, and they're not giving us anything about technical. So again, this is very similar to the last. I think it was the first bid that we looked at, but the last example of this, where what do you do when the government does not give you anything to use in a, as an outline? They don't flesh out exactly what they're asking for. You can either submit questions, you can submit those leader questions, right? Or you can lead with like a conservative approach or bare minimum, which would be, you know, for technical for this, you got to use your brain a little bit. Perhaps resumes would make sense here. Uh, perhaps some responses to the statement of work um, in terms of like a technical approach, that would be a conservative approach to, you know, providing a technical approach that is going to be, you know, satisfactory. That's going to be considered acceptable. Okay. Because again, all they're saying is proposal meets or proposal does not meet, but they're not telling us what the proposal consists of. So that is the situation where we're at, but always ask questions, always try to get as much guidance from contracting as you can. Aside from that, we are left to our creative devices <laughs> to put together what we think is going to be a compliant competitive offer. Right. And, it, and if you just don't think you can get there, if it's too much risk, there's too much opportunity cost on that, then no bid it. Like, just move on. Don't go after it if you don't feel comfortable. Um, there is such a thing as a bad business. And if there's that much risk, you don't want to find yourself in a situation of having to, having won a contract, then having to turn it down because for some reason you misquoted it or you misunderstood it or something because things were not clear. Like, all that's most important. Like, you've got to be good with all of that first before going after like and accepting an opportunity. So hopefully that makes sense. It's like good, like mental game stuff. It's good. And it's good like business uh, practice. 
All right, we got uh, Andy Dawson, first live out of Texas, baby. What's going on? Welcome. And CZ Trucking says, I've been in trucking for the past 11 years, but I'm not seeing any trucking opportunities on Sam. There is not a lot of trucking opportunities in Sam. Um, I'll just be honest with you. If it's not there, me nor anybody else has the magic wand to put them on there. There is a lot of, uh, I won't even say a lot, but I'll say there's a lot more transportation type opportunities that we see on Sam, but straight up trucking and hauling, like it's, it's not on there. So should you, if you're not finding what you're looking to go after, right? That really, what that means is you're not, and this is for everybody. That means you're not able to solve a lot of the problems that the government has means you're potentially not going to be a, a, a strong or a long-term government contractor with that particular strategy before moving forward. I say, even before going to get your cage coat, you have to have a strong proof of, proof of concept. You need to be finding and understanding work, right? If the work isn't there, what are you getting ready to work on? Just because it's the federal government, they buy everything. That's what's messing everybody up. Yes, the government does buy everything, right? But there's there's other sites, there's other platforms, there's city, state, and local, right? So that doesn't mean the federal government is buying all of it. There's so many other pies that are going on. We can't make assumptions. So we have to have the proof of concept before we do anything, before we move forward. If so, it's going to be a hurry up and wait game. And then you're going to get, you know, a lot of people get sucked into the thing. Oh, well, I'm not finding it. I have a problem with finding it. It's really not that hard to find. Okay. If you're not finding it, it's more than likely because it's not there. Okay. The next codes are there. Keywords, PSC codes, which we don't even use those terribly, just keywords and next codes. You should be able to be finding stuff. If you're not finding it, it's probably not there. And if it's not there, you don't have a proof of concept, which means you should not move forward yet. Okay. Because this is not a game where you say, this is what I provide. Now, who wants to give me a contract for it? This is a game where we read sam.gov and say, okay, these are the problems that the government needs. Which of these am I wanting to solve? If you're saying, I don't want to solve any of these, then you're in the wrong game entirely. And I'm saying this to everybody. I'm not saying this specifically um, to you, CC Trucking. I appreciate your your honesty. And that, that's why I like to provide the honest and transparent feedback. Because really what it, it it's a call to action. It's, it's a call of either taking on an umbrella strategy. Why do you think I created the umbrella strategy, right? Because folks are not finding enough. Okay. So trucking, transportation, hauling, maybe can be a pillar of the umbrella. But if you have your whole business built on one stoke and that stoke goes away or that stoke is extremely seasonal or, you know, you're just not finding much of that stoke, it's, there's no foundation at all. You want to have at least two three, four pillars, right? Solidifying your business, proof of concept, finding bids for all of them, even if it's not like crazy volumes for each of them. If you have two or three or four, even if they're like partial volume, right? That you're finding on Sam.gov together, that's going to be more than enough for you to go after. It's going to be more than enough for you to build a, long-term viable government contracting business off of in the federal space. And that's, and that's, that's just the honest truth. So like we're in the interest of interest of like studying reality. We're not trying to like skew reality and make it something that we want it to be. It's just like the study of the way it is. So then we just need to get in line and best position ourselves to best take advantage of the way that it is. Cause we cannot change the way that it is. Right. And there's nothing wrong with us. There's no problems. We just maybe have a wrong expectation. 
Maybe somebody put a wrong idea in our head or we heard something incorrectly from another place or another place said, if you spend many money with us, it'll solve this problem. And it still didn't solve the problem. Okay. That, those are the issues. The shiny objects are the issues. Getting away from doing the rule of work that matters is, is the real issue, right? And that's why we try to take this real no-nonsense approach here and keep it as real as possible because that's going to be the shortest path to you bidding and winning on Sam. Okay, And that's what this whole show is all about. <clears throat> 03 Shawnee moving and courier contracts and trucking, but not general freight. Got it. Black Mamba 1246. Hey, Derek, I want a contract to start performing on it. A few days into the contract, another company submitted a protest. They protested you to the GAO. And the work has been halted as a result. That's what happens, guys. If a, if a job ever gets protested, everything freezes until that protest is released. Is there anything I can do to respond to the protest? Or is it just a matter of waiting for the GAO to make a decision? It was for a professional services LPTA contract. Um, I think you're like if so Black Mamba, uh, congrats on the win. And also, sorry to hear that at this early stage, you're already having to go through protests. It's very clear that there was another company on this that they thought they were guaranteed to get this. Maybe it was the incumbent, right? I don't know. I don't even know if there's incumbent on this. I know nothing about it, but very likely incumbents will protest because uh, they have the most grounds to do so. But this was LPTA, lowest price. If you were found to be technically acceptable and you're able to perform at the price that you submitted, then you really have nothing to worry about. So yeah, the, the short answer is there is not much that you need to do aside from respond to contracting. But what contracting is going to be doing is a, and I'm not, I'm not an expert at, at protests, but they are going to be doing a, following a process because that's what it is. And they will uh, very likely potentially be asking you some things which you just want to make sure you're looking out for uh, to respond to. Feel free to communicate with contracting, reach out to them. I would highly encourage you. Number one takeaway from my advice today was is just to stay in constant contact with contracting as much as possible, uh, because obviously it's a hindrance to your business as well to just freeze everything when whether you're working with subcontractors or whatever. So the whole chain gets messed up, right? Um, or if it's delivery of things, like depending on the scope of the contract, there's, yeah, it's kind of, it's not great in a number of, of ways. Communication is key. Stay as close as possible with them. I don't think you have a whole lot to worry about unless there was, you know, funny business or unless like you're really like taking a loss on this contract. And that is going to give contracting cause to believe that like you're going to have to be terminated, you know, for cause or something like that. So, but if you're like, if you're good and you're like, hey, I bid, like I'm honest. My, my prices, I'm good with my price. I'm good with my approach. If everything's just home, like, like what's the word? Everything's just like good from your end for the lack of a better phrase. I don't think you have much to worry about. Uh, someone's probably just unhappy. Um, so that's really all I can weigh into it. Um, feel free to uh, come hang out with us on future lives. I would love to hear how the rest of the story goes to keep me posted that way. Um, but that's kind of like my initial two cents. CR38 reality, it's not realty, reality. Hey, I'm in the energy space and offer a service that is in line with government's new decarbonized building initiative. Would you suggest, suggest I reach out to you and maybe go through one of your classes? Um, I would suggest, I would basically give the same advice. Um, see if you are finding bids 
for that on sam.gov? My guess is you won't. Um, so although these things are coming out top down, it does not mean that the government is looking for contractors to do them, right? The government does a lot of stuff internally. You know, that's, that's what a lot of people miss. Like how many employees work for the government that perform jobs for the government? It's just that when they need additional help, they rely on contractors. And, and that's, that's what we do. So again, I would give the same advice to you. Check out and try and establish a proof of concept. If you're trying to offer um, I don't know what your energy solution is, but a decarbonized energy solution around building initiatives. You're not, I, I can tell you, you're not going to find bids for that. It's, it's extremely specialized. It's, it's extremely niche. Uh, you're just not going to find it. I, I guarantee, guarantee that you're not going to, um, you certainly could check out the masterclass though, if you want, it kind of gives you a, a general preview of what to expect and kind of helps to get you situated and formulated in a good way. So energy monitoring systems. So yeah, try to find energy monitoring systems in sam.gov. Don't think you're going to find a lot of contracts for that because it is so specialized. Um, but if energy monitoring systems becomes one of five things that you want to offer the government, then, then perhaps, right? But if you're like, my business is energy monitoring systems. This is what we do. This is our one thing. This is all we do. I'm going to tell you, you'll, you'll hear it from me first. Um, the federal space is not going to be the right space for you. It's you're just not going to have enough to like go after. We don't have that magic wand to just put them there. So do the research, see if it's there. That would be my, my, my best way of helping you. If you are finding it and I'm totally wrong, then, then awesome. Like I love being wrong. I don't think I'm going to be start there though. And then if you're saying, Hey, I, I still want to do this. Um, but I want, I want to do it like full time. Then you're going to have to add some, additional spokes to your, uh, to your umbrella there. Or if you just want it to be a very, very part-time thing where you have a search that runs and maybe you look at it once a month or something like that. And then you got your commercial business that you're doing. If you want it to be like a very, very like part-time thing, you certainly can do that. I just always speak from doing it full-time because that's particularly who our audience is though. Um, but yeah, that's the honest feedback, trying to help you as much as possible to get to where you're trying to go without going through a bunch of loops and wasting time and things like that. So hopefully that, hopefully you, um, hopefully that lands well. Okay. Everybody, um, warehouse support services, department of transportation, FAA. This is due April 28th. This is actually set aside, uh, for service disabled veteran owned small business. So SDVOSB. this is not a total small business set aside. It is SDVOSB. This has got the 493110 warehouse and storage NAICS code out of Oklahoma City is where the work will be performed. There's a site visit in a couple of days, actually. They have a requirement for professional services. The award will provide the capability to acquire hours as needed for multiple labor categories related to warehouse support ops to, to include, but not limited to. So inventory for warehousing, packing and crating, and then repack ops as well. So a couple of different labor categories, actually not, not a bad contract from the looks of it. We have site visit form here. We have the solicitation. Looks like this may be 
Now, this is the statement of work. Um, we'll have to see what Schedule B is here. Contract data, past performance sheet, and a wage determination. So let's go to the solicitation on this one. We've got multiple labor categories going on. They're wanting hours. We do have CLINs actually spelled out here. I don't want to go through it too fast, but we have a three base. So task manager, labor staff, personal support, and then travel. So there's actually more to the imagination, uh, imagination than that. And then we have option years for that. So option years one, two, three, and four. Okay, so base plus four. Keep in mind, this is SDV OSB. They're referencing that section B schedule, which why not? Let's open that up concurrently. It's gonna be an Excel sheet. All right, are we, did we freeze? No, I think we're good. Okay, so here is warehouse support services uh, pricing. Okay, so here's what they want for pricing. So supply technician, inventory, supply technician, barcoding. So they're breaking down those things. Woodworker, shipper, packer, shipper, material hander, shipper. So they want the fixed rates, hours to not exceed. That's what NTE stands for. Then you have base plus four years that they've asked us. There is a pricing escalation rate here. So they built that into the formula, which is nice. And they're wanting you to base again on those not to exceed hours. And then this is just where you're gonna put your fixed rate. So, and this is all gonna auto calculate. So really not, not hard at all to fill out. You just kind of need to know like what these pricings are going to be. We do have a wage termination. So you can look at that to kind of set minimum occupation uh, codes and amounts that you would pay. And they do have an overtime line in here as well. So that's somewhat helpful, but coming back to the solicitation, I think the screen may have froze. For some reason, it wasn't pulling up that Excel sheet. Weird. Um, packaging and marking. Okay, so we're doing true like A, B, C, D, E, F, G sort of stuff all the way through M for the contract sections. So we will go to find L and M, which is instruction to offers and evaluation factors, sections L, sections M, instruction to offers and evaluation factors. This is what, again, tells us what's required in our proposal and how the winning bidder will be chosen, how it'll be evaluated. Section J, okay. Reps inserts, and then we'll be just about there. And the thing about solicitations, guys, it's they are in sections. So as, once you start learning the sections, that allows you to scroll much faster. That allows you to not be so overwhelmed. And that allows you to not read page by page, line by line. Instead, it's an Easter egg hunt, and you're literally trying to look for specific things, extract key data, allow you to make your bid, no bid decisions then allow you to start building a proposal outline that is an exact mirror of the requirement. It allows you to do all that good stuff. 
So getting really good at reading, which is what we try to demonstrate on the show here, is your number one skill to develop. And proposal writing essentially is just, it's it's the running to your walking. So you gotta learn how to walk first. And that's what this is, this is walking. So for the section L instruction to uh, offers, they are saying, volume one, I suppose here, yeah. Trying to make sense of this. Volume one contract documentation. Volume two is your technical proposal. So again, technical one is going to be like the docs. So we have like the solicitation, you know, many times it's the SF1449 form. It's going to be the reps and certs. It is going to be filling out the pricing schedule. So they are sliding that in here as well as an executive summary. And they want you to tab it out based on tabs one, two, three, and four. Okay, so this is just kind of like standard reading. And then for technical, and this is in contrast to the other solicitations we looked at today where they didn't give us anything. Now they're literally giving us line by line, volume by volume, factor by factor. So for this, it's factor one, relevant experience, factor two, past performance, factor three, uh, they want like a staffing plan. So you give them, you build an outline based off of this stuff, based off of this, this stuff, this info these bullet points, these headers, these sections, this becomes your proposal. And then you give them what they're asking for. Nothing more, nothing less. Is there a volume three? I did not see one. Yeah, that looks like it's about it. So we should also see an evaluation section M. And yes, we do. Here we go. Really just looking for, okay, probably I don't want to say yet, but they are evaluating experience in factor one. They're evaluating past performance factor two. Guys, what's the difference between experience and past performance? Experience is work that you've done. Past performance is how well you did on that work. So past performance is often used uh, synonymous, synonymously, if I can say it, uh, of work that you've done. But really, technically, past performance is how well did you do on that work. And then experience is what work have you done. So when they're asking you to break it out and give them both, well... We do that, but most times we see past performance and past performances, you know, three projects that are recent and relevant. And it's a less about how you did on those projects. It's more on you know the references and the scope and things like that. Factor three, project staffing. And again, this is all evaluation and then price analysis. And then here we go. Basis for award will be based to the lowest evaluated price that meet the minimal acceptability trade-offs are not permitted so this is looking like an lpta lowest price as long as you check those boxes even though they're going to this extent to evaluate everything this whole evaluation really all they're doing is checking boxes they're not saying good better best they're just saying it's there or it's not there or you know it's technically satisfactory or it's not technically satisfactory is what they're saying here so a bit of a surprise on that one because they are you know for a lot of proposals you're going to that length we are looking to see best value but really it's lowest price that meets those minimum uh satisfactions if you will i think we'll go ahead and close this one out for the interest of time and i think we already dove into that one as much as we're going to um casey money 247 says is the small business marketing profile important so i'm 
I'm assuming that you're referring to the dynamic small business search profile, the SBA DSBS profile that automatically pulls from your SAM. But once you set up your SAM and get your cage code and all that, only around 30 to 50% of that is pulled. The other 50% is just blank until you go in there and, and fill it out. And most don't even know how to fill it out or how to access it. You actually have to access it from inside of your SAM.gov. It's actually the last page. It's that little gray box at the bottom before you click submit. There's a box there that says DSBS SBA profile. You click on that, that takes you into this whole marketing profile, if you will, and if that's what you're referring to, that you otherwise would have never known about. So it's a horrible, horrible setup. That profile is, for example, if contracting was going to the DSBS to do market research, which is one of the ways that they're trained to conduct market research to say, find 8A companies or find small businesses or find companies based on certain NAICS codes or keywords. That is a database that they use to search SAM. They can find you through searching that. They can reach out to you through searching that. If you have not gone in and done what I just said, and it's 30 to 50% pulled from Sam and the rest of it is unfilled because you didn't even know it existed, it'll either make you incomplete or it can make you not show up entirely. For example, your NAICS codes will be pulled, but you have an opportunity to write past performances in there. You have an opportunity to write a capabilities narrative in there. Those sorts of things will not be able to pull or, or show up if you didn't fill them out. Are they a big deal? Well, we have to look at, again, what that end goal is of contracting, doing research and reaching out to us. We don't see a lot of it, okay? We, we don't like to do hope marketing where we go and set up our DSBS profile and then wait for the phone to ring or the emails to come in. It's not gonna happen. So I don't think it plays a big part in the overall picture unless, and there's one big exception to this, unless you're a company whose strategy is largely sole sourcing because contracting could reach out to you if you're an 8A or you're you know, veteran owned and it's the VA and they can sole source to you. Um, if that's the case, inbound becomes much more doable and productive on your part. And I can make a better case for you doing that. Should everybody set it up? Sure, why not? Should it take a lot of time? No. Should you overemphasize it a lot and spend weeks freaking out about it? No, you should spend an hour on it to say that you check the box to make it complete and then probably not really worry about it too much after that, unless there's significant changes in your business that you want to update or something. So if you can kind of read between the lines here, that's the importance that I give it. Uh, we're 99% outbound. I mean, we're basically, we're hundred percent outbound meaning you need to go after opportunities. You need to, to bid and play the numbers game on Sam, waiting for inbound marketing, hoping a contracting officer reach out, reaches out to you based on your DSBS profile, um, you're, you're gonna starve. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. Again, with a big caveat being 8A sole sources, which even then it's very far and few, but at least it becomes more interesting if you do get something that's inbound. So we don't get that question all the time. So I wanted to spend a minute to respond to that. Princess House, I arrived late, but I'm interested in doing this as a consultant, as bringing companies together. I would be in the uh, the middle. I would be a middle woman. Would this be subcontracting? So if you're going to be a consultant, that wouldn't be subcontracting because then you're basically like me. I'm a consultant. So if you want to be somebody like me, um, what I'm doing is not subcontracting. I'm teaching. I'm training. Um, if you're teaching others to do the middleman strategy, 
then you're teaching others to subcontract. And then lastly, if I totally just misunderstood that, you said you want to be a consultant, but if you're not wanting to be a consultant and you just want to be a middlewoman, um, then yes, that would be you subcontracting. So kind of like three scenarios there. I'm not sure which one you're you're kind of describing there, but that's kind of the answer for each of those, if that makes sense. Casey Money, yes, I am. I'm getting this company trying to update it for me, but I know I can do it myself. Yeah, you, you don't need to have a company. I mean, hopefully you're not paying for it. Definitely, definitely don't spend a dollar having somebody do your DSPS profile for you. It's not hard. Like it's the easiest thing in the world. Um, but yeah, that's good that you're getting that taken care of. Christian Rivera, I was getting area, uh, errors when requesting access to DSPS profile through SBA. Yes, it's kind of messed up. Um, I don't know if it's improved now, but you could always submit it like a, a ticket to the federal service desk. But uh, yeah, same back of in general, it's just always riddled with issues. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, try again or submit a ticket, or if it's been a while since you tried, like maybe it's maybe it's fixed. Uh, Marshall Lane, how much are your courses? I don't offer courses anymore. Um, all we have is like one program, and that is that is our bid team program. And we, we discuss and share that information uh, during a discovery call for those who are invited into the program. So that's kind of how that works. All right, guys. Um, I guess we can, we can push through, we got one more, but Hey, before we do this uh, last solicitation, if you're liking the content, you're getting your questions answered, you see the value, smash the like button. And if you're new here and you're not yet consider subscribing to the channel again, so that you don't miss future episodes. So again, smash the like button, subscribe. If you haven't, our final bid for today will be kitchen hood ventilation system, cleaning services. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, and it's because we see a lot of contracts like this coming back to this idea of proof of concept, building your government contracting business on things that the government is buying a lot of and buying again and again, something that you can get like quite, quite good at doing yourself. This is one of those. So this is going to be out of actually Fort Leonard Wood, um, at least, at least in contracting. This is due May 8th. Small business set aside, other services, the buildings, uh, excuse me, so 561790, NAICS code. And again, place performance is also out of Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. So they're telling us right out of the gate, this is going to be, <laughs> they're saying it's three base years. Uh, and it says base year plus two option years. Okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I botched that my dyslexia is kicking in three years base year plus two option years. That was not nearly as complicated as I made it. So base plus two <laughs> um, attachments. We have a solicitation doc. We have a statement of work and a wage determination. We've got Blea view and Ashley Johnson and contracting. Let's see what our solicitation document looks like. SF 1449 form out of the gate pricing cleans as well. So we're seeing Let's see here, base, 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 five bases before it goes into the option year. So let's look at these bases for the pricing cleans. They have the kitchen vent hood system cleaning for 12 months. Price for that. UV systems. I don't know what that means. 12 months for that. You could refer to the statement of work to learn more about that, though. Not a big deal. Three, unscheduled cleaning. So, hey. I know we weren't really planning on it, but we need you to come out. One job. So that would be 
for each unscheduled cleaning, that's what the one job would, would apply to and mean for this. Semi-annual kitchen hood vent cleaning. Okay, price for one semi-annual cleaning, and then that would be multiplied by two for the total quantity because it, obviously they want it for the whole year, twice a year. And then same for this, the semi-annual UV systems, price for one time and then multiplied by two for the whole year. And then it'll go on to the additional two option years. So those will all repeat. So option year one and option year two. So that gives us actually a pretty good idea about the scope, what's being required. And again, guys, if you're if you're middlemanning, what are you doing with this? This is small business, right? It should not be that difficult to find. Let me come back. Small business set aside. Should not be that difficult to find a, a cleaning company that specializes in hood ventilation, you know, whether this is like a an HVAC company or a specialized sort of uh, ventilation company that does this. It's, it's middleman. Okay. This contract's very likely going to be under 250 K, but even if it's above 250 K with, uh, you know, base and all option years, you're, you're using the similarly situated entity approach for those of you who follow and know what that is. That's why I like these and the government buys a lot of this. So it's going to, you know, these are primarily going to be LPTA bids. So it's going to be a matter of you being competitive on the prices and that's how you're going to like bid and win these contracts. So it's just a matter about being compliant and competitive in your offers. And like, there you go. Like you have like one pedestal, you have one strong column to an umbrella. Now, if you do this with another one, so two or three, you then have a very successful and eventually booming, thriving, solid government contracting business. For example, that's just based off of using a legal middleman approach. it's why I show you guys these guys and gals. It's, it's why I show you these. I show you bids, quotes and proposals, legal middleman and self-performing one. Okay. But I show these because these are great ways for you to get started. You know, and these contracts are, they're six figure contracts, right? And even if you're in profit ranges of 10 to 20%, um, that's not too bad because what happens is you build a book of business and these stack. So year two is way more profitable than year one and year three is way more profitable than year two and a heck of a lot more profitable than year one. So it's almost like building like an insurance business or anything like that, where it's services based. That's why I love services because they stack the work that you did two years ago is still paying off for you and you're still continuing to do work. And you just like build something that is even larger than yourself at some point. And then you can, you know, make an impact in your space. You can hire employees. I know I'm totally soapboxing right now, but I know the things that drive you guys. Like ultimately you guys, your hearts are all in the right place. Like you want to create legacy for your family. You want to create opportunities for your children. You want to, you know, impact your, your communities, all these things. You can't do any of that until you have like money or you can't do any of that until you have a, a somewhat booming and thriving business. So I get that's what you want to do or whether it's just financial freedom and you want to be your own boss and you want to, you're in a transition period, any of those things, right? All paths road to, all paths lead to the same road, but you, you have to get there. So we try to bridge that gap so that you can get there, but it takes time. It is playing the numbers game. You don't just win every single bid you go after. For certain industries, the learning curve can be more. Um, but again, I'm just reiterating, that is why we 
that's why the show exists. That's truly the, the, the purpose and the mission and the reason for the show ex existing is to bridge the Grand Canyon for you. So for those of you who are highly motivated and want to get into this um, and are willing to do the work and invest the time, but then you, you see the opportunity, you see the payoff, you'll still be here in years two and three, and you're, you're listening to some of the advice from people who have done it before you and allow you to kind of avoid some of those big hurdles and, and learn from some of those uh, hard lessons learned, right? You can, you can do it so much faster and you can do it quite simpler. Um, but those things all have to kind of be in place to, to do it. So I'm totally like wasting the rest of the time on this bid that we were looking at. I'm not going to go back to it, but um, just, just to do the soapbox. But I know those of you who are highly motivated that are wanting to do it. And there's a number of those of you who are doing it. It just we hear from Sam. Hey, I won my first bid. Uh, we heard that from someone today on the channel, and then their their contract is being uh, you know protested, unfortunately. But guess what? Like they're going to learn from that too. They're just going to be stronger for it. Um, Jake says, "Are you going to make an updated how-to NAICS codes in Sam? It appears Sam has changed. So here's the thing: I keep getting feedback on that. It hasn't changed at all. So, so Jake and everybody else who says, "Are you going to do an updated video?" Um, I could, but it hasn't changed at all. The only, like, the process of updating the NAICS codes. Let me be clear: has not changed at all. The only thing that's different is there's like two screens because Sam like has has migrated and moved. So you just have to like answer a couple of questions." But once you get into your SAM.gov entity, nothing has changed. It's exactly the same. You got to click through the pages, you get somewhere around the middle, and then it's going to ask you to, just like I show in the video, it's going to ask you to uh, add, edit, update your NAICS codes. That is all exactly the same. It's just getting to that seems to really be throwing people off. Um, you just, you have to get into your entity. So just go to manage entity, go into your workspace, select your entity, go into it. It's going to ask you a couple of questions about the reason why you're updating, it's actually update the entity, the reason why you're updating it, answer those, click next, and then you're in. So the process has not changed at all. Um, don't just say, oh, this looks different, so I'm not going to go. Just go through the couple pages and, and then you'll be there. So hopefully that makes sense. I have heard a lot of people say that, um, but it's just like, go through the motions. It's, it's really exactly the same. Um, Princess House says, you just answered my question. Thank you. Awesome. So to do that, it doesn't matter what your company NAICS codes is correct. Well, if you're going to go after certain solicitations, you do want to have those NAICS codes in your SAM.gov profile. So I guess it just depends on what you mean by like matters. NAICS codes are, they are fluid. Um, Jared Reed says, what's the best approach to cold calling potential subs? Should I just let them know I'm bidding on a GovCon and interested in partnering up with them? So the rule with subs is you need to educate them, right? And you need to be the professional in your space. So if you're not presenting yourself a certain way, subs are not going to have confidence to work with you. So you need to educate the subs, letting them know that you are a government contractor, um, whatever service your company is in or offers or whatever it is you do, whatever your umbrella is. Again, that's why if we skip all this, it makes it really difficult for us to talk to anybody, whether it's subs or contracting officers or teaming partners. Like if we're not even clear on what we do, how are we supposed to communicate that to others, right? But if you are clear on that, then you can instill a bit of confidence. And then you can just ask if they have any experience uh, quoting government jobs, doing government work, anything like that. This way you can make sure, for example, they don't have a cage code. 
You know, you don't want to like turn them onto a requirement and then they just cut you out, right? So certain things you need to be uh, concerned or should be on your radar initially. Um, if they've had a bad experience, they have a bad taste in, in their mouth, you want to learn what happened. You want to see if you even want to work with them. Um, if that experience is going to be different with you, lots of these subs, they get burned in the past. They get used and abused for quotes. Um, they go to site visits only to never hear from the prime again, or like they don't get paid when a contract actually goes in place. So a lot of them, like you'll, you'll find out if you do this long enough, you will speak to subs that have been burned in the space. So you need to determine if you want to work with them. And then if you do like educating them on how working with you will be different and you both being on the same page again, because it is relationship. So it's going to be relationship based, but then again, educating them on the government space. Like, why would they, why should they stop doing like quoting the commercial job that they're doing and, and quote your job instead? Well, what are some of the advantages of the federal space for them? Okay. Larger contracts, longer term contracts, getting off of kind of the rat wheel of doing things from week to week, month to month. These are things that are usually quite valuable and sought after to businesses that are doing business in the commercial space, because you know a lot of them, they want to fire their clients. They're unhappy with their customers, but they don't want to get rid of them because they can't replace them. So instead replace the clients that you hate with the federal government who has bigger and larger contracts. And again, like obviously the federal government has its own flaws as well, but yeah, sometimes clients can, can be really, really tough on your business and they're looking to replace those. So that's the language that most subs are speaking that are wanting to grow or pivot. So at some point you, you want to educate them and let them know what that opportunity is. And then, and then just see where they're at. And if they're, if they're not very responsive to you, if it's like pulling teeth with them every step of the way, you just want to cut them loose. You don't want to be desperate if you can't get quotes for a job or if the only quotes you can get are from subs that you deem as unresponsive or bad just for the sake of going after the job maybe you really like it you don't want to push that through because if you win and then you're stuck with a sub who sucks you're going to find yourself in some deep stuff potentially you know the sub may not honor the contract they may try to change their pricing on you even if you do have a subcontract agreement in place like subs act like they do whatever they want to do. So you get, you really want to make sure it's quality over quantity with them. And again, those are, I guess, some bullet points, some things to strive for in your first conversation. And then if you're going to like, you know, have them go to a site visit or send them a statement of work or something like that, uh, make sure you're getting that confidence as well, like in the follow-up conversation. So that's what I would say. What, what about uh, background checks and research on those who bid on contracts? So, for example, if you are trying to get on on base, you're trying to get on site, the government's going to run background checks on whoever that is. So whether it's a sub or whether it's you, so they're going to need that information to run the background check. If you're going to be hiring people, I definitely encourage you to run background checks. So um, I guess like that's your question. So that's my answer. I'm not sure if you were like, going somewhere else with that. But I mean, just generally speaking, like, yeah, background checks are necessary. They're good. They're there. Do them. They will be done to you. Um, yeah. All right, guys. So we have talked uh, about quite a bit today. If you have gotten your cage code, you're finding bids on Sam.gov, like you have that proof of concept, 
for bids you want to go after, but you're being held back to actually start by bidding. So you're being held back to actually start bidding by reasons like you can't make sense of lengthy solicitations. You don't know how to write compliant or competitive proposals. We talked about that today. Um, maybe you want a middleman, but you don't know how to do so legally, right? We did talk, well, we did look at some middleman opportunities today as well. You're held back maybe by imposter syndrome or paralysis analysis, or you need somebody that's in your corner to make sure you're bidding properly. Or lastly, maybe it's just very painful for you to not be bidding because you know what it's costing you to not be able to do so. If any of those reasons sound like what's holding you back from specifically bidding, um, you may be a perfect fit for our bid team. We do offer a premium coaching and training experience, and we believe less is more. We're hyper-focused on getting you to be really good at one thing. That is bidding. And that's why our show is Sam.gov Bids Live. So much so that we have you submit your first compliant offer in your first 30 days in our program, and then it only gets better from there. So I don't want you to remain stuck and held back by trying to figure everything out on your own at some point. You do need to invest in your business so that you can go to the next level. If Bid Team does sound like a fit, make sure you visit govkidmethod.com where you can learn more and even schedule a discovery call with our team to talk about it some more. That's it for today, guys. Good job to everybody who participated. Losing my voice a little bit, so we're going to go ahead and end it. Again, smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. I hope to see you all in the next episode, guys, and thanks for watching. Take care.